1: When you're Canadian, you have these certain things that you say people claim, like, we, we, you know, we're too polite or or they make fun of the A thing. One, one or the other, okay? Well, I've discovered the one. You, um, I've discovered, Grant, the thing that we both do. So I ask you about the oh, weather no. out there, about the cold. So you say, oh, it, it's, it's been cold out here. But then there's that, oh, but of course, not like. You know, mm-hmm. other parts of Canada, not like you guys. And and I say it, yeah, minus 25 with the wind chill Celsius out here today. Uh, but then I think, oh, but not like Jim and Beth and everybody out in Alberta where it's a lot colder than that. There's this little cycle as we go from place to place. As soon as we start saying <laughs> it's cold here, we have that whole thing that we counter ourselves and say, but 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 not as cold as Alberta,
3: not not as cold as Ontario. No, look at us i that i think that's our canadian politeness coming through although i bet somewhere you know someone doing research in antarctica or something they would be like oh it's really cold here not as cold as some other planets though
1: yeah well i was chuckling because yesterday before the dallas cowboys game they were saying oh it's minus seven degrees celsius and to me to think about that in texas that part of texas say what wow what those people would have been lost and it was just a trickle there from that grant how well not much as it is here in ontario oh i don't know alberta's where so uh, to all of us out there across north america it's cold (laughs)
3: let's see what we've got well go ahead grant (laughs) no uh... that's cold for texas though (laughs) and that's the thing is that people just aren't used to it right so you kind of shut down the whole city so Yeah,
1: well, and then you think about when they get cold and frosty, you think, oh, my goodness, the places that what do they do with the ice? What do they do with the frost? (laughs) But like you say, Grant, we're here for everyone. And there's so much to do. Uh, The best today for those south of the border. Uh, It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day and uh, thoughts, of course, thinking a very special day of special recognition. Let's see what we've got coming up on our program today for you. Ottawa community reporter Kim Kilpatrick stopped by. She's going to be talking to us about SnowGo and SnowGo Assist, which helps older adults and people with disabilities with their snow removal.
3: On our Independent Living Skills segment with Leanne Barda, we get some tips on how to host a dinner party with vision loss. Wow, that was a good conversation.
1: Rummy and I had that one with her the other day. And on Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin discusses a class action lawsuit that has been filed in the Ontario Court of Justice against the Attorney General of Canada. That conversation, a very important one, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of great information there later on in Hour 2 of the program. So we had this talk on our meeting this morning, Grant. Blue Monday. Jeff Ryman brought it up a couple of times. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, it's Blue Monday, the third Monday of January, often referred to as the most depressing day of the year. But folks, help is on the way because ABC's Dan Macedo, uh, Dan, excuse me, Diane Macito, compiled years of research into her 2021 bestseller, The Sleep Fix. This is after nearly a decade of anchoring the uh, network's overnight newscast. Now, reporter Dan Yu has some takeaways from this.
3: One of Diane's biggest revelations from consulting experts was that if you focus too much on the popular phrase sleep hygiene, you might psych yourself out. You may need to tackle your biggest worries ahead of time. Diane suggests a cognitive behavioral therapy technique where you physically write them out and then pencil in the next step in solving each one. Of course, we also got to talk about screen time and quote unquote blue light. Diane says tricking your brain with bright screens is never the greatest idea at night, but that doctors prefer you at least be watching something on them passively as opposed to responding to emails or scrolling endlessly so i guess the
1: podcast grant they're okay if no matter what if they're coming out of your phone and again for us that Mm -hmm. blue light really doesn't bother me too much but uh Mm -hmm. if you're listening to something if you are passive i mean there are so many people that enjoy the television on or of course their white noise what is your preference or can you sleep with that
3: Oh, man. I have, like, the worst sleep habits ever. Like, I'm often falling asleep listening to a podcast or whatever, and then it'll be talking about something heavy, and I'll, like, wake up. Yeah, I'm just, like, I'm just horrible. But I do sleep with white noise. I really need that to block out uh, because I'm such a light sleeper, any sort of background sound. How about you?
1: Well, white noise is interesting, too, because I love the sound of um, beaches, the waves, something that's constant that covers up sound around – thunderstorms i enjoy that even with the sudden boom or whatever but generally it's it's that rumbling um i generally put on podcasts or or something along those lines old radio shows as you know since we're yeah. both fans of those oh, i yeah. do a lot of uh story listening i my jury's out because i still think they're probably not the best even if i've heard the shows or i find i fall asleep especially when i'm most into something oh wow this is a good
3: <laughs> book and, you're like, and I'm oh, gone. How how far do I have to rewind in the morning? Like, when
1: did I fall asleep? Yeah. Well, I've started to be yeah. smarter and use the timer so it shuts off, and, and now that doesn't seem to wake me up. Um, so I think I'm good there when I when I utilize stuff. But I also like it through the night. But I still hear those doctors and that saying it's not a good thing, is it? That it it can be so disruptive.
3: Yeah, exactly. I do the same thing with old-time radio. I don't know what we're going to do, man. Like, it's hard to fall asleep now without having that on. But we know it's not good for us, so. No,
1: exactly. I don't know. Well, Grant, the one good thing about Blue Monday, um, to be honest with you, is taking into account wintry conditions, as we were speaking earlier, Blue Monday is only applicable to the Northern Hemisphere. So anyone listening in Mm. around the world with us, Yes, it's not a That's thing. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, we're pretty generous. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll share. Coming up next we'll on share, the program exactly. on our Tech Talk today, folks, Michael Babcock is uh, joined today by the new elective president of Blind Information Technology Specialists. Jeff Bishop will be with us. And we'll get into that conversation with the guys after this.
0: Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back.
1: Hanging out with me today, Grant Hardy filling in. is off for this Monday. She'll be back on the program tomorrow. Kelly McDonald here at the home studio in London, Ontario, settling in as we uh, get ready to bring you the Monday edition of the program. Remember, we're here Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Over on AMI-audio, you can catch us at 4 p.m. Eastern, first repeat of the show at 10 p.m. Eastern time. That happens to be on both networks, audio and on AMI-tv. Well, we like to start the week off uh, probably getting you thinking a little more, but certainly bringing you a lot of information at any given moment. We'd like to welcome to talk all things tech, Michael Babcock.
4: App news, device reviews, security advice, and more, it's time to talk tech with me, Michael Babcock. Get your dose of ever-changing technology knowledge right here on Kelly and Romeo. It's fun to
1: boast about it, guys. I have to say, to say we bring a lot of technology to the program. We get kind of the latest on stuff. So, much, so many things for everybody out there, not just uh, our accessibility quotient of things each time. Michael Babcock brings us so much stuff. And today, Michael, you're joined by a special guest. And as we said at the top of the show, hope uh, Mar- uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day is going well um, for everybody over there.
4: Well, thank you, Kelly. Definitely appreciate it. And yeah, as we left the segment last week for regular listeners who know uh, Be My AI's had been demonstrated on the Blindshell Classic 2 last week, and I heard it in the hour before the Kelly and Romeo segment. So I had to tease with that. So if you're a Blindshell user, you should have that available on your phone now. But today we're talking about helping you stay educated and informed when it comes to technology. And I have the uh, newly elected president, Jeff Bishop, of Blind Information Technology Specialists, uh, which will be referenced to as BITS probably for from here forth, uh, just so you're aware. And Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Do you mind sharing a little about how uh, what BITS
5: is? Sure. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. And I'm in sunny Arizona, where the high will be in the 70s today. So... I, I hate to say that, but uh, we're yeah, warming up. you tell up, your friends in nice. Dallas
1: that, too, who had, uh, <laughs> what, below freezing yesterday before the football yes, game. Exactly. And we were like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. Uh,
5: congratulations, yeah. Jeff, too, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for having me here today. Yes, I'm Jeff Bishop. I'm the president of BITS, and we're a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, but we're much bigger than that we're we're an organization that truly wants to empower each and every person to do whatever they wish to do in their lives to the use of technology and that's either through education or through community involvement or whatever they want to do as part of being a part of bits and so it's it's been very very exciting and we've been promoting bits really heavily since oh beginning of october we've grown from 179 members from last march And I believe the current count is about 455 to 460 members so far. And not that we're trying to get numbers necessarily. It's more about really making sure that we provide as much opportunity to every single person that wants it. So for a limited time, BITS membership, no matter where you are in the world, is free. So if you go to joinbits.org, that's j-o-i-n-b-i-t-s.org, you can sign up, no questions asked. We're not taking any money. Uh, you can donate if you wish, of course, but that—that's not something that that we're asking people to do if they, you know, do not choose to do that. So that's a little bit about the organization. It started in 1969 as a uh, organization called VidPi for computer professionals who were doing the whole punch card thing and, and mainly working in, in the programming space. It changed in 2005 to become more of a consumer centric organization. And we have people who are be- brand new to computing to those people who have been working in the industry for 30 plus years like myself. So uh, the, we run the gamut and we're there for each and every person. And we want to make sure make sure that each and every person uh, gets something out of the organization that they need to uh, be able to achieve their goals, and
4: and it's been a fun experience to be part of uh, to to help. Foster those relationships and help people get the uh, achievement of the goals that they're looking for. I, I want to clarify one thing because Jeff did say you can go to joinbits.org and no questions asked join. There actually is some questions asked that you do have to answer, but you can yes, get your yeah, membership for true. free. So there's no, just want to no clarify that though. Yes. Yeah, There's no yes. money
5: required though. We we do like to get a little bit of information about what people would like to get out of the organization, and we do request some biographical information so that we can get a hold of you in the future and those types of things. But other than that, no, there's no no money required. You know, Michael, one of the things that we believe in in BITS is, is empowering people to the use of technology by educating them. And this has been something that the affiliate has wanted to do for a really long time. And so we are starting with something pretty unique and pretty special. In fact, it's starting on February 19th, where we're offering developer-oriented Python training to whomever wishes to partake in the uh, in the course. Uh, again, that is free for any Bits member. So we're partnering with people like, uh, people who work at, I wouldn't, I should be careful here. They're not actually sponsoring this. So I wanna make sure to, to state that. Yeah. But we have people who are working at Microsoft. We have people who are working at the American Printing House. We have people who are working in education across universities in different sectors, and we have professional developers that are in this process as well. But we're, we're bringing in people who have literally decades of experience to lead a programming development course in Python, meaning you don't have to have any knowledge of it at all. And uh, it, all the fun starts on February 19th in that course, but you have to be a BITS member to participate. And so, we're, we're really excited about that. It's, it's an opportunity to, to give back. Um, we're also looking at ways that we can influence the other affiliates within the American Council of the Blind, as well as others who wish to take advantage of platforms such as ours that we're building for the future to help us manage our affiliate and manage our organization. And we want to do it inclusively and in an accessible way so that each and every person can achieve more.
4: And if someone's listening and they're like, what is this Python thing you're talking about? Uh, a good thing to be aware of is add-ons for NVDA are written in yep. Python. And that's what I found to be the easiest way to explain how Python can relate for people.
5: Yeah, um, and a lot yeah. of the tools you might use, like Braille Blaster and other tools like that, they're written in Python too. So a lot mm-hmm. of the modern applications that you're using today are, are written in Python.
4: Exactly. This sounds innovative, and, and it's very fun and exciting. What are some of the things people may have heard Bits doing in the past? Well,
5: we we have uh, have lots of presentations, a lot of content for members that are uh, on our website. We do um, we hold weekly Bits chat sessions. We have two to three night a week presentations that are done on things like Mac and iOS and other technology topics. We we do an awful awful lot, and and that's one of the <laughs> it's one of the pitfalls actually to try to keep it all organized and make sure that people understand what's going on in, in, in the affiliate as well. Uh Michael, I did want to announce one other thing that that we that we uh done today, having to do ah, with okay. providing. Yeah, I think this is and and we won't get into too much of this because I think we're coming back next week to, to meet with Mike Calvo too, right? Is that what we're yep. doing next week? Yep. Yeah. But we'll mention it here. And, and that is that, you know, we believe in partnering with, with organizations to provide a win-win situation, not only for ourselves, but for that organization as well. So for an example of this, we part, partnered with uh, NUMA Solutions, and many of you who are here will know of RIM, the Remote Incident Manager product from Numa Solutions, basically the ability of remotely connecting to other devices, even cross-platform, so from Mac to Windows, Windows to Mac, those types of things. And if you're a Bits member, normally you only get 30 minutes a day for free with RIM, but if you become a Bits member, then that's doubled to an hour for any Bits member who joins. So for free, you too can get more time in RIM. So that's really great and we're partnering even more with other companies and and we'll have more to announce about that next week probably and and we'll we'll have even more to announce in the coming months as well. We're working really really hard to to partner across the industry to bring value to each and every person who joins us.
4: That's exciting. Kelly, do you guys have any questions for Jeff so far? Because he's given a lot of information, and we definitely want to remind people about the membership drive, but do either of you have questions? I Um, I just love... Oh, go ahead, Grant. Sorry, ahead. I just
3: had uh, one question. Uh, sure. You mentioned that the uh, Python uh, course is kind of developer-focused, and I'm just curious for those people who are blind and have always wanted to learn how to program, maybe are sort of techies but don't really have a background in development, uh, is this something that uh, lay people like me could join and
5: learn how to code? Absolutely. Yes. In fact, uh, starting on the 19th, we are assuming you've never written a line of code. Uh, we will start you in the process of installing Visual Studio Code in Python and the tools that will be required. We'll walk you through the process of learning Visual Studio Code. So that first month, we don't even start writing code. We just get you familiar with the editor, the settings that would be best for you to utilize to make it efficient for you, how to utilize it. Uh, we're going to use Markdown and some other basic Python language constructs to help with this, but we're not teaching Python at this point. But yes, this is a course that is not intended to be something that you have to have any programming knowledge whatsoever. We're going to assume you don't know anything about writing that's, a line of code. And by the end of that, we hope that you'll have some skills to take away from what we bring forward.
3: Oh, uh, that's great. So many people in the community uh, could could use a skill like programming to have in our back pockets.
5: Uh, yeah, it's about just, yeah, yeah. It's about being productive in whatever way you can. And so taking these skills and utilizing them in whatever you're doing in your life you know, will be of value to you. And we want yeah. to do it in an accessible way.
1: How, how do you deal with people being afraid of stuff like this, especially the older people, Jeff, And what do you say to them? Like like you just said, we're going for the first month, we're not even writing, we're learning and everyone has their curve for learning and gets really sometimes intimidated by that but the confidence as i listen to you speak that you're exuding really makes someone say why not i'm not wasting anyone's time i'm going to try
5: you know this is actually a bigger problem that we're having we have on our discussion list we have well over 500 people on that list and so you can just imagine the amount of traffic that's on that list. And we've mm-hmm. gotten feedback from people that say, my gosh, I'm getting buried in email. It's all about this discussion <laughs> list and I can't find anything else. And this is something that we're trying to figure out from a culture perspective. What do we do? How do we allow people to continue to speak their voice, have, you know, and, and provide value to the organization and have conversations, but do it in a way that is is not so, oh difficult to manage and and this is something that we're we're learning and this is also true for whether you're young or old and we want to make sure that we're also listening to the voices of each member and bringing content and and technology to them to be to be able to meet them where they are because that's what it's all about isn't it so this course may not be for someone who is older but it might be so it's really truly up to them we want someone who joins us to get whatever they choose to get out of the organization you know what they deem is important to them, and we have to meet them where they are. And so, with the growth that we're having, we're having to adapt quickly uh, and be efficient at it. And that's something that we're we're trying to do and be very nimble. And we're learning and listening. You know, God gave us two years for a reason, and and so mm-hmm. we're we're, yep. uh, we're we're doing lots of listening and lots of learning and making sure that we're valuing, respecting, and making sure that everyone feels safe, w- warm, and welcome in the organization.
1: Awesome. Speaking of growth, you want to talk about the membership drive while we
5: have another minute? Yeah, you bet. So if you want to learn more, anyone can join and you can go to joinbits.org, dot org, And there's a form there. Simply fill that out and, and join us. And then we'll get back to you within the, in a couple of days We're we're getting lots of memberships, So it may take a few days to process yours, but don't worry. Uh, you'll be a part of us before you know it. So I appreciate all of you uh having me here today and we'll be back next week where we'll talk more about rim and potentially even more educational opportunities and things that we're bringing uh as being a part of bits so we'll talk about that next week
1: awesome michael anything in closing
4: no i'm excited for where bits is going and uh hope you and grant have a great rest of your guys show thanks for having us again thanks Thank Jeff. You so thanks much. mike talk to thanks. you next week guys
1: uh Join us next Monday for a Tech Talk with Michael Babcock, and Jeff will also be returning with him, and so much more on the program. We step aside for a couple of moments. A vibrating weight loss bill seems to work, (laughs) but only in pigs so far. Could it make its way to the market in the future? Jeff Ryman steps in and he'll discuss more on our uh, headline segment up next. STICK AROUND AND LEARN SOMETHING NEW.
0: KELLY AND ROMYA RETURN WITH MORE IN A MOMENT.
1: You know, some people like to say, yeah, we're keeping it real. Well, we're keeping it busy here. Grant Hardy joining me today on the program. Kelly McDonald, welcome to Kelly and Rumya. Thank you wherever you are checking the program out around the world. Maybe Radio Player Canada, TuneIn Radio, you're listening in on AMI-audio. Thanks for being on board and being with us. Uh, We've got a lot of show ahead, a couple hours as we settle back here. Kelly McDonald with Grant Hardy.
3: It is always fantastic when we can invite onto the show producer Jeff Ryman, and here he is today, uh, ready to flip through some headlines
6: with us. Hey, Jeff, and welcome to the show hey guys yeah thanks for having me it's nice to fill in um and i'll give you guys a little bit of detail <laughs> right now about the background i am currently in our uh, audio control room our old audio control room kel's oh, cool. where we used to do uh kelly and company so it's kind of nostalgic being in here what'd you and do thought, kick you know... jacob out of there <laughs> Isn't you know that his it's, I, office I, I haven't seen him in here yet. So hopefully, no one comes in. There's also a phone right beside me that seems to sometimes ring by itself. Um, oh, sometimes there's spam callers. <laughs> I know that from experience from being
4: in here. Uh, you know, it's probably John Melville years. having fun with you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Hope, hopefully, no one pounds on the door and, uh, excuse me, we need this room right now. Oh, this is kind yes. of nostalgic for me, too, actually, because when I first joined the team, we did some headline segments. Uh,
6: together you and i and now here you are back yeah it's kind of come full circle grant so uh, looking forward to this. And, and by the way, all these articles come from Beth Deer. So full credit to her for finding these three articles. They're all fantastic. So I just want to give full credit to her for, for <laughs> locating these articles. And I heard you guys tease the one regarding the pigs earlier, just, just before the mm-hmm. break. Uh Really piqued my attention as well when I read this. And it's very interesting. And I feel like there could be very uh, some from very different directions we can go with this conversation, but I'll read you a little bit of the article and then we can see uh, which direction we want to take that. Um, so there is a vibrating weight loss pill that seems to work in pigs uh, a new weight loss pill that tricks the brain into thinking the stomach is full. Now I think there's stuff out on the market that does similarly, um, but this one vibrates um it basically stimulates the nerve endings that sense when the stomach expands the capsule about the size of a large vitamin so it's not overly big houses a tiny motor kind of weird a little motor inside of a pill it is a little bit strange Uh, i don't know if i'd want to be popping this into my (laughs) mouth but you know uh Uh, we can we can get into that conversation in just a second. But yeah, house is a tiny little motor uh, that starts vibrating when it hits the stomach. So I guess you wouldn't feel it uh, necessarily in your mouth. You'd maybe feel it in your stomach. Uh, that's supposed to stimulate the organs that stretch um, your stomach to so make you feel more full. Um, it's been tested on young Yorkshire pigs but with somewhat promising results. According to a new paper in Science Adventures, the six pigs that were given the pill ate 40% less than the pigs that received a placebo pill uh, after about just two weeks. So pretty rapid results in a pretty rapid time frame. Again, very, very small sample size. We're just talking a couple of pigs here, but nonetheless, there is some uh, progress there the capsule called the vibratory ingestible bioelectronic simulator. <laughs> Bit of a, a mouthful. mouthful. <laughs> yeah, that'll <laughs> also tire. You'll as...
1: lose weight just from saying that.
6: I really <laughs> had to make sure I read each word to get that right. Uh, yeah, it's also known yeah. as vibes, so we can just go off of that. Vibes for short. Vibes. Uh, it mimics Vibrating the effects. vibes vibrating vibes it mimics the effect to have a full stomach in other ways too after the pill started buzzing insulin levels in the swine rose and levels of the hunger hormone fell Uh, so just Mm -hmm. as they do when the stomach expands after a very large meal so there is a vibrating pill out there that seems to be working in pigs again small sample size i'm sure they'll probably expand that um to make that at a larger sample but guys your thoughts on this is this something that you think can make its way to a market would you guys feel comfortable doing this is this just completely far-fetched um i guess grant i'll start with you um how do you feel about a pill like such
3: yeah you know i think uh you know putting everything aside i mean nobody has to to lose weight but i think realistically some of us would like to some weight um and when you look at you know like pills that we're using sort of off label like this ozempic that people are trying to get prescribed it does produce some unwanted effects in the body and i'm wondering whether a pill like this which seems to work less chemically and more just by like you know vibrating stimulating your organs just to reduce your appetite who knows maybe this pill will turn out to be healthier and less problematic than some of the others that are on the market and that would be
4: that's where
1: i go grant i really like that part of it because as you say other things who knows what as we look forward in the future they may do to your body now again there's i'm not going to say there's nothing in this pill that might not break down and do have some negative but if something can trick us in in a good way um Mm to think, okay, I'm full, obviously it's going to have its shelf life, how long it's in there before it, it breaks down and you're ready to, you know, it stop being effective. So it shouldn't keep you feeling full, like, I haven't eaten for five days, I felt full, I wonder why I've been dizzy and everything. You know what I mean? I... I think Mm -hmm. that that is a good thing there on that level, and we don't have to worry, hopefully, about that, and uh, these tests will will show that. But I think anything that teaches us something a bit different, makes our body react in a way that it's supposed to, that let's literally say you stop taking the pill, your body stops doing reacting to it. It's not there. You know withdrawal necessary, except you suddenly start eating. You know what you were, and I'm sure there's there's negatives there. The way the body works to to a certain extent, just like if you stopped eating so much food, your body's going. Hey, I need food, man. I need food. I'm not stretching. I'm not feeling as full as as I was two days ago. Uh, again, the, the mental game of that. But that's the same as somebody in a situation where they're on a they go away on a trip. They're on the boat and they're hanging out at the buffet. The the 14 days they are on the boat. You're going to come home and like, oh god, I'm hungry. Um, so I like that, yeah. Jeff. I love Grant's point about the safety.
6: The potential
3: yeah, I, being safer. You know potential what? Safety. I, exactly.
6: I I, I I, feel like I need to have more information to mm-hmm. fully have a conclusive opinion on this. But that's like belief, Jeff. To be... us,
1: this is so yeah. weird. Like, it's so, it, it's kind of like telling you, Jeff, here, take this pill, and it'll be like you going and playing a full hockey game.
6: You'd like, are yeah, you out of
1: your mind? That's not possible. <laughs>
6: that's that's where i'm at right now it's like on one side of my brain it's telling me that it's super intriguing like this is cool this is so futuristic like it it makes me think that you know the future is nearing um in the sense that when you were younger you know you could pop a pill or it's sort of like the matrix you know the blue or the red pill you can (laughs) see the future you can do you know crazy things like that like this is sort of like playing with the 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 fun side of my brain where it's like hey you know if you want to lose weight it could be really potentially this simple yeah exactly you know it's kind of fun to think about but then on the other side of my brain is a little bit more skeptical where it's only been done in pigs and it's only yeah. been done in a very small sample of pigs and pigs are not the same as humans they don't have the same tendencies they don't have the same sleep schedules they don't have the same bodies um it is still a, kind of an encouraging thing to see it you know uh at least have some progress, um, and that there is somebody out there that is trying to experiment with this stuff. But yeah, the 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 critical side of me is leaning to thinking. I would like a little bit more information because this article <laughs> yeah. basically just says, this is all good. This is really, really good, but we don't know. The, the pig could have grown a third eye for, for all we yeah. know or something, <laughs> you know? I mean, the pig could literally just not be eating
3: because he's distracted or stressed about, yeah. well, what I'm is going on? not hungry with Which all this might... shaking
1: going on. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Which
3: we might be able to kind of see through as humans, right? So who, who knows? There's There's a lot that could be missing here.
6: Yeah, it's definitely one of those articles that gets your brain going. It could be a little bit fun. Um, but yeah, I, I need a little bit more information. So hopefully, there's uh, another study usually these studies come in you know different phases and stuff so obviously we're very far away from this reaching uh potentially into humans but yeah it is kind of interesting and just the whole vibrating aspect of it it vibrates inside your stomach I'd be kind of curious to see how that feels because you know uh, it, could be, it could be a little <laughs> exactly exactly like how it, it works too does it is
3: could it leak battery Uh, Does it use a battery? Or or when
1: you're cold, like (laughs) on a day like today, does it like get inside you and sort of not really start? You swallow the pill and it's like,
3: "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm, like (laughs) that.
6: (laughs) <laughs> That's sort of the thing. It says it has a tiny little motor yep. inside of it. And it, it, it's really kind of hard to even visualize what this pill looks like. If it's apparently <laughs> the size of a large vitamin, um, you know, how long does that motor last for? Yeah, there's just too many questions here. But again, it mm-hmm. is really intriguing and kind of interesting. Get your <laughs> hey,
1: Oh, no, it's too cold. Mm-hmm, the pill ain't working.
6: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'm going to like say, it. yeah. Fun article, fun article for sure. Yeah. Uh, I also want to switch to kind of, I don't know if this is necessarily fun, because I wouldn't say it would be fun if you're part of this town, but apparently there's a rat plague. And I feel like we've been talking about rats and rodents a lot on the show over the last month uh... or two bears, uh, you know, a lot of wildlife, um, Mm. but apparently there's a rat plague that has hit an Australian coastal town, and thousands and thousands and thousands of these little rats are showing up some getting washed up on shore um there is a surge in the rat population and has caused a combination um, of ideal wet weather conditions for breeding and bountiful harvests so <laughs> ah like it, this just makes me I mean I don't I'm not a huge fan of rats, Um, (laughs) especially when they're of the wild variety. Mm -hmm. Um, But This would be uh, a nightmare for me. I mean, these things chew through things. Uh, They're very not sanitary. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, having these things just washed up on, (laughs) just basically summoned into your town. Um, Yeah. Not really ideal, guys. I don't think they're that
3: nice either right like they're they <laughs> they can be really nasty to people too so they're they're invasive but also just not not nice to have
1: around well they're just everywhere it's hard to keep them. they could squeeze under anything through anything but it's the disease problem when you start talking stuff like that and how they will be anywhere and you go touch anything you are so in jeopardy of disease and i know we've talked about it in other places where there wasn't a lot of food especially places like new orleans when uh the, the pandemic was on and rats were were more visible and then along come people new york's talked a lot about it yeah. so it's definitely across the planet a problem and i have a feeling that if we only knew about islands and certain places that have become you know really uh, overwhelmed by them that all of a sudden they're getting off there and headed to the mainlands and whatever I-, I think we'd be scared um i think yeah. it's definitely something yeah. they need to address
6: i also think that you know There could be this this is just me being glass half full type of guy and trying to take a more positive spin on this. What if they started doing rat tours? Didn't they do that in New York? In (laughs) In, in the subway system, what if they start putting out recipes, Jeff, for you
1: smoking rat?
6: Absolutely not. No, I will never put one of those things in my barbecue. I don't think so. I I, no, absolutely not.
1: Go think on that, Jeff. Now go, 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 smoke that rat and think about it, right? (laughs) Yeah, you don't don't need to
3: kind of contemplate that at all before giving us an answer. You're very it's a hard pass. It's
6: It's a hard pass. It's a very firm no. Um, You know, I I I I will draw the line somewhere, and that line is at rats. Okay, so if you guys were planning on coming over to my house anytime soon and expecting rat, I'm sorry. (laughs) I guess that's understandable.
1: I would think so. Thanks, Ben.
6: Of course, anytime. Jeff Ryman joining us.
1: We're doing the headlines as he filled in for Beth. It was kind of a fill-in for you, Grant. Fill in for Beth who happened to step away and and didn't get back in time. Uh, So really good job on the fly,
3: didn't he? Yeah, this Grant character. I don't know about him. He's kind of
4: MIA.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. uh We'll step aside, ladies and gentlemen, on the other side of the break, where uh, we are joined by actor and comedian DJ Damaris, who's going to be here to talk about the newest show he's in called One More Time. And you can catch that here and on CBC. But you can catch him up next with us, right here on Kelly and Rumya. Keep it here for more of
0: Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
1: Welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. Grant Hardy, he's uh, at the home studio in Vancouver, filling in today as Rumya is away. Kelly McDonald, the home studio in London, Ontario, welcoming you back to the program wherever you are, listening in, watching. Uh, we appreciate your time And we were talking before the break, Grant, about rats and just the the queasiness and the fact that all through it seems to be the world we're hearing these different stories and people somewhere making the best of them, as we talked about on the show one day, about rat tours in New York. But you just want to talk about something that makes your skin crawl. I I remember doing some throws for AMI TV, and uh, I think we were down at uh, Metro, now, formerly Ryerson, and standing there doing these throws when we were done, hey, Kel, we got them, let's move along. And then I was told, by the way, There were some rats capering in the grass. Didn't use the word (laughs) capering. I'm just using that because it just sounds cool. Uh, In the grass behind you. And I just, oh, you talk about the blood running cold. Oh, sure did. Um, Yeah. And speaking of rats, I've got a terrible segue, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, There's always (laughs) something new going on here at AMI, and we keep you posted on new content programs and initiatives. Today we're joined by actor, added to his resume, comedian, DJ Damaris, to talk about one more time. Deej, welcome back. Nice to have you
7: with us. Thank you, Kelly. What a segue. Speaking of rats. (laughs) I'm still not sure I quite get that.
1: (laughs) Let's let Deej in. Open the door. Let him in. Um, First of all, buddy, congratulations. It's absolutely, you know, when you talk about people that you know you've worked with, you see people who want to do something, and they get a chance to do, what you know, not only Let's look at your your case here. Not only get out there and be a comic of notability on so many shows, making appearances, being around, but also segueing into the actor. And we'll we'll get into that because um, we're talking about, hey, man, I have an interest. This would be kind of cool to make into a screenplay, into a story, into a series. But we'll get to that in a moment. First, give us an overview of one more time.
7: Uh, One More Time is a sitcom that just came out on CBC and AMI-tv and AMI Plus uh, about DJ, played by me, who's the manager of a used sporting goods store in the fictional city of Corverton, Ontario, Canada. And he's just a uh, he's a former pro hockey player. Not NHL, but he, he played pro hockey, retired, came back to his hometown, and he's he's managing this sports store filled with all sorts of zany wacky characters and uh it's it's a workplace comedy and it's pretty i think it's pretty funny i think we made something a little bit weird and oddball and, and i'm pretty proud of it and uh it just came out just premiered this past tuesday oh man
3: that's fantastic honestly that's like my lifelong dream is to have sort of a, my own little sitcom so i'm super super impressed that you have that tell us how how did the show uh, come together
7: I wrote the show a couple years ago, and, uh, you know, honestly, I've wanted to write something for a long time. Like you, Grant, it's always been a dream of mine, so I finally said it was the pandemic. Stand-up was on hold for the most part. I was doing some shows on Zoom and whatnot, but for the most part, I was just sitting around the house, and I said, if I don't write something now, I'm never going to do it. So I just, I did it, and I I wrote it about this huge sporting goods store because I worked in one when I was in high school in Kitchener, my hometown, so it's kind of always been in my my mind a little bit, so I said, what's a workplace that I know that I can see some crazy stuff happening in, so okay. I, I wrote it, and never in a million years, well, I shouldn't say never in a million years, because I I always create goals for myself, but I never expect to reach them because I don't want to feel that disappointment, I guess. Even that sounds too fatalistic. I'm somewhere in the middle of expecting to reach them and not expecting to reach them. But yeah, but CBC liked the uh, the pilot script that I wrote and, and we were off to the races. It's
1: funny when you think about what the pandemic gave us, you know, as we left it, and you stop and wonder, would you have ever got around to having the time as you focused on the, you know, career as a comedian to to do that, to sit down and write it out? I'm sure you would have found that time to write it out, but to just go the right route or whatever to find where, when you're going to make that pitch. How did that go? Um, where did you take it when you sort of, at what point, got to where you thought, you know what, I'm here. I I want to share this.
7: Well, that's why I always say the pandemic was the best thing that ever happened. Uh, I get a lot of funny looks when I say that. Oh, yeah, I don't I give people contact. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I'm just, I, I honestly, I just wrote it. And there's a production company called Counterfeit Pictures in Toronto that uh, produced my second stand up special, Interpreted. And I've always had a good relationship with them. And so they asked if I was working on anything, and I gave it to them, and they liked it. And from there, it's kind of like, they're like, hey, we like it, we're going to pitch it around, but these things take time, so be patient. And CBC was the first person we pitched it to, and they were like, we love it, let's make it. And then Counterfeit was like, oh, even though they say they love it, these things take time still. And then like a month later, we're writing, and then like... Six months later, we're shooting. So it was like, from what I've been told, like everything that's happened is just extremely rare in this industry for how quickly everything moved along. So I don't know why. I don't know why God smiled upon me in this particular instance. But um, but yeah, once it was out there, once it was in the hands of the people who are actually capable of making this, it was, it's been a pretty quick ride. We're getting old. That's why God
1: knows. Oh man, we can't waste time with this guy. Let's get at it. Ah, uh, that is so amazing. It really <laughs> yeah. is, man. Uh, Deej, we're gonna take a look at it here. Let's see, folks. We've got a trailer. Let's take a run at this and see what we here see Deej doing here to promote this. I hear this is pretty good.
7: Got some big news for you, buddy. I'm getting a promotion? Absolutely not.
4: I
3: spent the last three months taking intensive sign language classes.
7: I don't know sign language. What? We can't quit. We work too hard for this. Hey, we don't use that word out here. What, quit? No, work.
5: You're going to eat nothing but raw spleen for four years? Why don't you ask Christine the Spleen Queen Levine? Three, two, one one
7: more time. time!
6: Now streaming on AMI+.
1: I want to know about people. Um, working with the people, uh, being a comic, you know, you do your thing, you develop your material. But thrown into this, I've heard you have had a great time. And I'm going to tell you, they sound like in sync.
7: The, with the cast, you mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, with the cast and everybody you're working with.
7: Yeah, the cast. Um, well, like, you just saw them. like, And they're, honestly, they're... I've never done this before, you know? So you go into it and you're like, I hope we're going to have chemistry. And then honestly, there wasn't a single day where I wasn't super excited to go to set. Everybody is so talented and so great to work with. And that includes the cast, but that includes all the behind the scenes people. There's so many people who go into making a TV show and the vibes on set every day were just incredible. The writer's room was incredible. And the cast Mm. is just so funny. Like it, you know, it's, you, you see how funny they are in the audition and everything. So you you know coming into it that you're you're going to have capable actors. But then once you're actually in the moment watching them work and working with them, being scene partners with them, super fun. The most fun I've ever had doing anything. I mean, I love stand-up too, but this is just a different kind of... The collaboration really makes it really fun, man. I, I loved it so much. I have nothing but great things to say about the entire process.
3: I know the pandemic was incredibly hard mainly for people in the arts especially like we said uh stand-up comedians anyone that sort of relied on those live performances or connecting with their audiences how are you able to create like keep your creative juices flowing and come up with a whole sitcom be positive you know just get through it in the face of uh
7: all the difficulties that we faced during the pandemic it's a good question i feel like You know, it was tough for comedians and people in the arts, obviously, like you said, live performances were shut down, but there were people who had it way tougher than that. There were people who were actually getting sick with COVID and there were people not being able to see their loved ones. And so trying to keep perspective, it was bad, but I was at home with my wife. We we hung out. Obviously, financially, things were a little rougher without stand up, but we both had our health um so keeping perspective that it could be a lot a lot worse and and um life wasn't that bad but that being said creatively i was starting to make a lot more like instagram reels and tiktoks and stuff because i i had no other outlet it kind of made me realize how important it is to me i took it for granted as a stand-up because you get on that path and you're like this is just what i am but you forget like that you actually kind of need it uh you know uh to feed your soul if i may wax way too poetic but um so I, I kind of filled the void with doing that kind of online content and the the sitcom that i wrote was actually kind of because i was living in la and there were protests going on and and all sorts the pandemic and just political stuff it was there was all sorts of kind of dark stuff happening so i think the writing of the sitcom was almost a response to that darkness me wanting to write something that would make people feel good for the half hour that they watched it so i think the darkness quote unquote was actually what kind of fueled me to try to write something that feels like it has a bit of light to it awesome
1: process so you write it you pitch it, it gets accepted now, what is your role? mainly actor, you sit down, you were talking about the writer's room a while ago. How much involvement in the creative do you have per episode?
7: Uh, I'm involved in everything like there's a showrunner, Jesse Gabe and me, and we're kind of the two um lead the two people leading the way we're We're leading the writers' room. We are in the editing room every day with our talented editors kind of um working with them on a granular level so i'm leaving nothing to chance I'm, I'm working on everything with this because it says created by dj de in that title so i don't want anything to reflect poorly on me i really this is my baby and uh, i'm so invested in every single element of the show and like i said i love it so i, I i'm learning so much at every step of the process and uh and i'm, I'm very involved and i wouldn't have it any other way Filming and accessibility, man, what was it like from uh, that point of view? Well, filming and accessibility, when we first started filming, people were still wearing masks because that's been the way it's been on set for a few years now. And for insurance reasons, I think it makes it easier for them if if everybody has a mask on. But oh. That only lasted a couple days, and I think, I don't know the full scoop, but I think it might have changed because they saw how bad I was struggling, because the masks for me with my hearing loss are just, I can't read lips, it's it really makes things a lot worse and and they were really doing the best they could. The production was, they made the masks and have the clear window in them so I could read lips, but you know, they move a little bit. You can't read the lips anymore or if they're speaking from the side or they fog up. So it's not a perfect solution. So the first couple of days were, were rough. And then I was so excited when we got rid of the masks. Like I just felt like a cloud had been lifted. I knew the rest of production would be a lot better and then there were a couple of days like where I had my hearing aids out. There's a couple episodes where like I lost my hearing aids and, and uh, so I don't have my hearing aids in through the episode and we had to take them out when I was filming too, obviously. So I couldn't hear anybody and it's a great way to build trust and rapport with the cast and crew because very quickly they had to, people would have to kind of let me know through sign language, made up sign language, because I don't sign, but to let me know that the director yelled cut or somebody would tap me to let me know that the scene was about to start since I couldn't hear. So all sorts of little things like that, that were very vulnerable for me um, individually as a real person, but I like to believe that vulnerability kind of bled into the, into the role as well, because that was the whole point of, of that episode that, dj and the show is supposed to be vulnerable and i felt very vulnerable in real life too i love it i love the sharing the things that
1: people will learn f- of you of the characters and and having that fun each. Deej- um big time congratulations my friend thank you very much for giving us time and talking about it
7: a lot to take away thank you very much kelly great to see you again you too grant thanks uh thank thanks you. for having me guys
1: Yeah, we'll get you back on here, and good luck to you and everybody. DJ Damaris joining us on the program. One More Time airs Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV. You can also find it over on AMI+. Join us on Mondays when we do our AMI highlights. Coming up in the next hour of the program, on Know Your Rights, Danielle McLaughlin discusses a class action lawsuit that has been filed in the Ontario Court of Justice against the Attorney General of Canada. And on our independent living skills segment with Leanne Barda, we get some tips on how to host a dinner party with vision loss. But up next, Ottawa Camille reporter Kim Kapatrick stopped by to tell us a little bit about SnowGo and SnowGo Assist, which helps older adults and people with disabilities with removing snow. We'll be right back.
0: Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI TV.
1: Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. We are here for Kelly and Romeo weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV, over on AMI-audio at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can also subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it if you did that. Got in there, maybe gave us a rating and review while you're in it. Uh, We would absolutely love to know you're taking in the show in segment form, the complete show itself. Today we have Irene, our director, who does our audio vanity card. You can find that on the end of the full show. Kelly and Rumya podcast. Today sitting in for Rumya is Grant
3: Hardy. Hey Kelly. Hey everyone. Great to be here as we kick off the second hour with a check-in with one of our community reporters and today that is Kim Kilpatrick. Uh, She joins us now with news from Ottawa, Ontario. Hey Kim, welcome to the program.
8: Hello Grant. Hello Kelly. Uh, really nice to talk to you both again we were both on the, we we're all on the world braille day panel recently. yeah
3: I was gonna say we're we're hearing you everywhere now which
1: is we're hearing fantastic. us
8: all everywhere <laughs> all of us <laughs> <are
3: everywhere. laughs> well it's a busy month for you guys kim
8: yeah absolutely
3: and speaking of world Braille days we've got some uh events in Uh, full swing here for content creators coming up. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
8: Yeah, so I'll just quickly mention these. There's two of them this week, and then the World Braille Days events are kind of over for another year. Um, So on Thursday, there's a writer's panel, and I just want to make sure that our listeners know that Andrew Leland, who wrote that book, The Country of the Blind, uh, recently, and I just read it, and uh, to me it's a really fabulous book about losing vision and kind of the history of blindness in the U.S. I learned a lot from reading that. He's going to be one of the panelists on them. On the panel on this thursday so even if you're not a really big braille user i think you'll find the um, authors panel very interesting and on saturday grant and i and as well as jen jesso and wendy edie are on a panel for content creators so i'm sure grant is using braille right now i'm kind of using it too and uh you know, at, to talk about how we might use Braille when we're creating content. So it'll be a fun discussion, I think. So that's to sort of wrap up World Braille Days. It's quite a long link. I won't read the whole thing, but it's certainly up on the blog. And you need to register separately for each of those events. So I'm I'm really looking forward. The first one last week was really good. I'm really looking forward to these two this week, kind of with the arts and... Uh, and braille and but not just braille just kind of how people do their artistic careers you know and i'm sure kelly like we could have had you too to talk about scripts and theater and you know all of the things we do artistically that include braille like i couldn't do my storytelling shows and everything without it i don't think so i think it'll be Uh, really good yeah it'll be really good i think
3: it's gonna be fun and for the uh for saturday uh As you mentioned, you and I are going to be uh, on a panel, but there are quite a lot of other events, I believe, uh, that folks can also register that are happening throughout the day. Is that correct?
8: Uh, I think the panel's the only thing on the Saturday, but... Well, yeah. So there's three. There were three panels and or three events, and two of them are this week. So gotcha, there's also gotcha. the the, right, the event that. for kids, which is kind of all month long. That's a separate one, but uh, the ones for adults are this week. The the remaining two. So excited Perfect. about that.
1: And people must love this because of the access and. I think we all like to hear about things. No one wants to be preached at about something or pushed into here. Try to try to I think it's always best when you have panel because someone on there will say something that reaches you guys. I, I think that's Absolutely. really always the way, and
8: it's not forceful. No, and it's it's all about how we what tools we have in the box, and that's what we all said during the the other panel that Double Tap Mm -hmm. had with where we were on was about you got these tools in the box and you use them for different people use them for different things and got these tools in the box and so I think it's really important for people to know there are lots of ways of doing the same you know doing what we do. Um, Yeah, we love options. I'm excited.
3: Exactly. Yeah, what what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with not doing something to quote
1: And, and the way you might way. use it, it's gonna be different way too, potentially. You might like Kim, you brought up during our chat with the double tap gang, the braille calendars. And as much as I'm fine yeah. figuring out or doing what I always loved getting my hands on them because of the immediacy, the quickness that yeah, I could absolutely. find that information. Sure, I could pick up the iPhone right now and say, yeah. hey, when's the this and that day, but there's nothing like scrolling down. And saying which day does each of these next five Saturdays fall on? And and being able mm-hmm. to do that yeah. with your finger. So uh yeah, awesome and, and great great showcasing this month. I wanna talk about Snow Go and Snow Go assist in the city of Ottawa.
8: So I feel terrible that I bring this up now because I think I jinxed us because we got 20 centimeters
9: <laughs> of snow on the weekend. Uh, so we didn't wow. have
8: much snow before now. And then all of a sudden we got a big dump of snow and I was out <clears throat> with my dog this morning and realizing, you know, all the banks at the corners and I was feeling, you know, the bank between the sidewalk and the road is really high. Like if you had to mm. get over that, that would not be good. So Snow Go and Snow Go Assist are two programs that the city of Ottawa has and there's a link to them on I gave you for the blog but also you can call 311 to find out about them so they partner with community organizations and if you're a senior over 60 or you have some kind of disability you can partake in this so it's um, you can get assistance with snow clearing of your your snow clearing for your house or you know where where you live Um, and they sort of partner you with snow clearing people and if you can pay for that you do pay them directly but if you can't there's also snow go assist so if you're under a certain income bracket you can get assistance up to 50 percent uh to to help with the snow clearing so I really think, you know, when we think of all the different disabilities, like blind, low vision, yes, I mean, you know, but also any kind of mobility disabilities. Um, I've heard stories of big snow um, situations where the para vehicles cannot get cannot pull Mm -hmm. in to get people, right? Because there's a huge, you know, the snowplow comes along and they leave the snow at the end of your driveway. You know, they clear the street, but there's now this huge thing. They fill you in. So if you can't get that yourself, you have mobility or any kind of disability where it's difficult. And I know blind people do clear snow, but, you know, there could be reasons why it's it's not easy for you to do or when it is 20 centimeters. Like I'm short, so I can't I don't have to clear my snow, fortunately, because we have like the complex that I live in that that's part of it. They clear that. But, you know, if I had to clear it, we have to clear it off our balcony, which is just kind of shoveling it down you know but Mm -hmm, when i have mm -hmm. to lift it like i'm short, i can't lift it up high like up to the to the top so it is something that you know there are many disabilities that make it very difficult to do um so i think it's really nice to to hear and to know that that's a possibility um and it sort of ties in with the next story which is please do report um difficulties with snow um removal that the city does so here's the other side of the coin of course Mm -hmm. there's your personal snow removal but then there's the removal that the city does so for example this morning i was talking to someone who said she takes the bus and uh i don't know if she has a disability or not like i was just talking to her in the in the coffee shop and she said oh gee i couldn't even get over the bank to get on the bus right and um If she doesn't, I don't know if she does or doesn't have a disability, but those are the things the city wants to know. So if you cannot get from the bus stop onto the bus, because the bank is so high, or if you can't get to a building, like a community building, um, or you can't get along your sidewalk. So I've had times where, you know, there was such a huge bank of snow at the corner that I was afraid. I didn't know partly I didn't know how to get around it, but also yeah, sometimes I how to you don't find know whether that corner can see you, and can they or line you, yourself
1: right? up. Right. Okay.
8: Yeah. How yep. do you line yourself? sometimes you line yourself up on one side, <laughs> you climb over it and then you have to line yourself up again because you've climbed over it. Right. So, and can the car see you if you're all of a sudden emerging from this big bank of snow, can they actually see you if you're there? Mm. So you should call 311 and report those um, to them and say, You know, I know at times I've said, I have a disability, I'm blind, like I really need this cleared as soon as possible. I understand there are priorities, but they will prioritize like buildings and sidewalks and places where people tell you, or if it's my bus stop and I said, look, I couldn't even get on the bus because the snowbank was so high between me and and the bus. And I do find the last few years, they've really done the sidewalks reasonably quickly, um, they, you know, they seem to be trying to understand. And again, mm-hmm. it's shoulders of the road. If people that use wheelchairs need the shoulder,
1: that's what I'm you know, thinking. You yeah. Need to clear that yeah.
8: shoulder. You know, you need to get that shoulder done. So if it's near your house and you say, look, I every day I go to work and I have to go along here. And for example, near me, there's a street with a bike path on either side of the street so they clear sometimes the road but i was crossing it on the weekend when we had that snow so you go across you think it's safe and all of a sudden there's this big pile between the bike path and the road and then mm-hmm. between the road and the bike path and then the sidewalk so you're walking over sort of three snow bikes while you're crossing this one street so i would say please clear that bike path like not just the street lane but clear that snow bike between that and the bike like clear that as well because I'm climbing over three snowbanks together. Yeah, get across you need Wednesday.
1: it to be a straight clear run through. Go ahead, Grant. Yeah.
3: No, yeah, yeah it's it's one of those things where like no beating around the bush. snow can be in, incredibly difficult. I think especially for a white cane user. I always find that uh you know, essentially no matter how clear the sidewalks and the streets are, the the snow is is piled generally in exactly the spots where i think the ghost uses use as landmarks yes like,
1: especially yes. if you're well and because people put them around poles and stuff right because yeah and the landmarks you know, are person, gone and the,
8: the audible yeah. poles are no longer able you're not able to get to them if you use those um sometimes they have a path that's only wide enough for one person but it's to find that little hole in the, yeah
3: exactly in the bank or If you're a person who, for example, crosses a little bit away from the the curb cut, you know, that tends to be exactly uh, where they pile the snow. Uh, Really excellent tips. I definitely would encourage people, uh, as you said, use your voice, call, complain, let the city know that it is not easy. Thank you so much for coming on, Kim.
8: Well, thanks for having me.
3: Right. Uh, Good luck Saturday, both of you. Thank you. Saturday. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I have to make sure that's in my calendar. All right. Thanks, Kim. <laughs> um, lots of great content ahead coming up next on the program on our independent living skills segment with Leanne Barda, We are going to get some tips on how to host a dinner party with vision loss. Don't go
0: away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner.
1: We love it, folks. The show just keeps marching on. So much content. Settle on back. Still more to go. Quite a bit more as we uh, work our way through hour two. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv and 4 6 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio for the first uh, uh, broadcast of the show. Grant Hardy's with me today. Kelly McDonald here. Ramya Muthun is away. Uh, I am here in the London, Ontario home studio. Grant's at the studio, his home studio, uh, out in Vancouver. And on the third Monday of the month, we're visited by uh, Leanne Barda for our Independent Living talk. And this one, Ramya and I recorded a few days back with her. Let's get right to it. Hi, my
9: name is Leanne Barda. And I'm here to teach you all about independent living skills. Please join me on Kelly and Ramya.
2: Leanne, uh, always lovely to have you join us. And when we start the year off, I guess we're thinking of different ways to uh, entertain or do things differently when it comes to entertainment. And we're always talking about inclusivity around all of these contexts, whether it be Halloween or the holidays of any kind uh, and things like that. And today we're going to cover hosting a dinner party with vision loss. Good subject.
9: Yeah. Well, I figured, you know, now we're kind of getting into doing more uh, in-person things together and we're trying Mm -hmm. to find new ways to reconnect. And so Um, You know, with something as versatile as a dinner party, you can do it with the theme. You can do it, you know, um, you know, as formal or as informal as you want. So there's a lot of different ways we can go around it. And uh, so I thought we would kind of cover, you know, things like the menu and dietary concerns. um, You know, what kind of invites to send out, supplies, etiquette, social factors. Uh, O&M considerations, and of course, obviously, ILS.
2: Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll get to as many as we can this time around, starting with the menu.
1: Uh,
9: my favorite part.
1: Of course. Uh, me too. Especially reading it <laughs> and especially utilizing it.
9: <laughs> yeah, it was, So again, so, it was so many choices. And um, I know for a lot of people in the vision loss community, uh, buffet style is one of the more challenging ones because not knowing what's in front of you and... You know, how to serve yourself a particular item, especially if you're not familiar with it. So, thinking about um, what's going to be the most accessible for the group that you have with you. So, um, potluck might be a good one. So, that saves costs for people. And then it gives people a chance to try a variety of things they may never have had before. Um, Or you can maybe say, you know, tonight we're going to dine from all of things from, I don't know, the Southeast Asian menu or a Filipino menu or, you know, just get really
1: uh, creative and interesting. Mm, I love that because it is so fun to be able to do some other things that you may want to do and, you know, whatever is usable. And and we as blind people, I know, you know, you sit there sometimes with a lot of anxiety over, okay, it's not just, will I like the food? Will I not? can I get at it? how do how do I do it? And there's a lot to think about, especially if you have people with mixed dietary situations.
9: Exactly. So you know if you do have um, a crowd coming that has diverse um, you know, maybe uh, dietary concerns or allergies, so maybe think maybe just do a simple cocktail and appetizers. Um, maybe just have uh, a variety of different snacks out available. Um, mm. You know, so you could do it kind of any which way. Um, I know the new, um, you know, not so new, but making the rounds again are um, board game parties and uh, Dungeons and Dragons is making a new uh, resurgence. So um, lots of things you can do there.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, for sure.
2: What about uh, our budget?
9: So,
2: yeah, uh, I was going to say.
9: Yeah. So again, depending on, um, you know, especially with the uh, soaring food costs, how creative can you get? Oh, yes. So can we take the let's say the famous Costco chicken and turn it into several appetizers or can you turn it into, you know, maybe club sandwich sliders or, you know, just different ways to, to save some money but still um, enjoy yourself. And of course, you know, if you wanted to outsource to um, a local restaurant that um you know maybe specializes in things like samosas or in falafel or you know just different things like that you are a little more difficult to make on your own, but are still budget friendly. And this kind of extends
2: into how we serve as well. Mm-hmm. Right, Leanne?
9: Yep, exactly. So again, we talked about sort of like family style or table service where you know you have the host going around serving everyone. Or you know maybe having um, sort of like a precursor so you can say okay so now at the table we have um, potatoes au gratin at twelve o'clock and we have um, steak bites at three o'clock you know you can kind of however is going to make the most sense to uh, to the to the people you're serving mm-hmm. or you can just kind of put a variety of things on a plate and then. Um, again, describe it using the clock face so that people know kind of what they're up to. Are there any toothpicks sticking in the food? Are there straws in the cups? So just little things to be aware of, just to yeah. kind of mention. And Nobody sometimes wants a straw of the face.
2: Oh, no, exactly. Sometimes a buffet style is what uh, ends up making the most sense, but there are ways to make that more accessible as well. I find right. using different areas of the house, so like having uh, you know sweet things on this surface and drinks on this surface or like this part mm-hmm. of the countertop is only for these things so that people have, uh, even for navigation, have a different idea or can have more specific ideas of how and where things are laid out. Compared to just exactly. like, here's the buffet, good luck.
1: Yeah, and yep, the things exactly. that make a mess of the carpet, we'll just keep those in the kitchen.
9: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all, the innings, uh, mm-hmm. all the things that are red sauce are stay in the, yes. on the tiles only. <laughs> I yeah, know. That cocktail sauce yet, stays no
1: out red sauce. It's, it stays in the middle of the table. No <laughs> red wine either.
2: Um, yeah. If we were cooking and prepping at home, give us a rundown of these quick kitchen tips that we always discuss.
9: Right. So again, you know, uh, finding your recipes online first. Now you can even just say, um, I've, the other day I didn't know what to make for supper, so I Googled, I have this, this, and this, what can I make? And it came up with a whole uh, slew of recipes that I could try. So I just kind of went with the most accessible for me and what I thought would be the quickest and uh, turned out uh, pretty well. So um, things like allrecipes.com is another really great one. Um, and what I like about that one is that it actually has reviews. So you can kind of see what people have done before and how they've modified it to make it better. So I kind of appreciate that.
2: Mm.
9: And then of That's course, cool. using our technology, like um, our Alexa mm. and Google, sometimes the recipes are a little questionable, but especially you know now things like uh, chat GPT, which can also sort of give you Uh, some pretty interesting choices for recipes, so.
1: (laughs) But the good thing about some of that is the hands-free. I know you're sitting there trying to work with seasonings or whatever you get messy uh, as you're putting things in. It's really, that is one plus, isn't it?
9: Definitely. So if you're going hands-free, that is sometimes helpful, especially when you're uh, touching things that could be, you know, can cross-contaminate like raw meat or fish or things Uh, like that. So um, always want to be aware of that as well um so now moving on kind of to the prep side of things you want to maybe label all of your spices and ingredients ahead of time so you know exactly what you have so for spices for example you can use the let's say your own audio labels like from Navilens. you can make uh, braille labels or large print labels just using initials whatever is going to make the most sense to you
2: And how about, because there's always a lot of taste testing and things Mm -hmm. like that leading into the party sometimes as well. Sometimes you're cooking, people are still arriving. So there's got to be some etiquette around this as well, yeah?
9: Yeah, exactly. So just say, you know, uh, dinner's not quite ready yet. So here are a slew of appetizers and here, maybe start with a cocktail while uh, I'm still in the kitchen. Uh, Just sort of take your time and um, we'll, you know, I'll be out in a moment with uh, things that are are worth Mm. the wait. -hmm. And
2: this is when our, all our tools and gadgets, like talking timers, talking thermometers, anything else uh, that you're, you know, going to make things easier on yourself with on the day of.
9: Yep. And then always using our tray. So if we're measuring things out, then uh, whether it's wet ingredients or dry ingredients, if it uh, doesn't, if it's going to spill, at least the tray will catch it. And there'll be one less thing you have to clean up, especially You don't want to deal with a messy floor. So if the tray is going
1: to take care of it, all the better. Okay. Yeah, really wonderful. Now, again, we're often, as you guys were talking about, the whole, as things are getting ready, your taste testing, using that different spoon, using all your smells and touch to get there. But if you get a new appliance ahead of this event that you want some help with, Leanne, is it best to get yourself, somebody in your position to come on in there?
9: Definitely. So if you know, um, at least maybe... Um, a month in advance that is usually a good rule of thumb especially if you've gotten a new appliance so like if you've got a new air fryer or a new convection multi-use oven or um, a blender a, a new one to make uh, drinks anything like that please give us a call we can go over it we can uh, label it for you and go over the safety aspects of it just to make sure that you're you're feeling good about using it and you feel safe
2: mm-hmm.
1: okay
9: let's move in that yeah. And
1: that in concert with your talk, your talking timers and and so
9: and on,
2: the on. gadgets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Leanne let's yeah. move to invitations. Okay. These are things you got to think about when you're really thinking about a dinner party at all.
9: Exactly. So you kind of want to think about the size of the group you want and you know, who kind of would gel together really well. And um, are you okay with your guests bringing a plus one or uh, you know, just sort of thinking about all those logistical things before you even send out that invitation. And so now people are um, pretty busy with all the different things they're involved in. So maybe having an invitation sent out three to four weeks in advance, it just gives people to kind of um, plan it into into their routine and make sure they have babysitters if they have kids and you know
2: just put all those ducks in a row. Mhm. So that includes plus ones, date, time, location, obviously, yeah. uh, RSVP deadlines and things like that.
9: Very helpful.
2: Yeah, should we include I had a friend who ran a serious Game of Thrones party and that required a lot of, you know, effort from guests as well. So if you're doing something very niche like that, probably put it in the invite, mm-hmm. yeah.
9: Definitely. So, are you expected to wear a costume? Bring your own fake weaponry. Bring <laughs> your own Dungeons and Dragons dice. Um, I brought my You know, can't just bring chips and salsa. It's yeah, just be a don't lid. bring your
1: fork, your own fork and knife, and then get fussy later.
9: Yeah. No. No. You may need your sword for dinner, so just you know just be ready. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. What about other supplies that you need to have as the host on hand?
9: Right. So, just some basics: so uh, napkins, uh, serving bowls. Uh, some nice tablecloths that might add some color and contrast Um, think about uh, disposable dinnerware Um, i know now a lot of people are shying away from the plastic uh, knives and forks and going more for the wood or the the bamboo but uh, for some people who have um, some sensitivities to different textures like that they may not uh, do uh, do well and it might set them off in terms of uh, discomfort from using those particular items uh, while eating, so just kind of be aware of of, of those sensitivities as well. Um, having things like uh, drinks. So if you're making um, either cocktails or mocktails, you have the right juices, do you have the right mixers? do you have all the alcohols, the soft drinks, the sparkling waters, all those kinds of things so you can make uh, mix and match drinks. Then, of course, you know the most important thing, your ingredients for your for your meal. Um, do you have snacks like chips or pretzels or tortillas, salsa, cheese platters, you know, tree, whatever you're going for. And
10: yeah.
9: then of course the cleaning supplies and decorations.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. And decor and all that stuff, I guess, could uh, come with a lot of, um, assistance and support also from your side Oh, of for sure. Yeah,
9: so going to somewhere like Party City and say, "Listen, I'm having yep. a party with, um, I don't know, retro movie night. Mm. So, do you have a section where I can find things like old Hollywood uh, costumes, feather boas? You know, do you have, you know, some things that would really make my theme come to life?
10: Nice. And a lot
9: of the times, they're pretty good about stuff like that. Yeah, um, sure. Even uh, some of the dollar stores now, um, there's it's incredible what you can find. Yeah. Leanne, there's a
2: bit more that we could get to in February. Maybe people want to host like a Valentine's theme party. So we'll pick this up next month um, because we want to get to the orientation and the hosting skills side of things as well. And not to mention, Mm -hmm. we didn't even go through the different kinds of dinner parties you can throw, you know, how laxed versus how formal. So looking forward to uh, talking more about this with you next time. Thank you for the starter.
9: Yeah, no problem. Looking forward
1: to it to cover, guys, with with that conversation with Leanne. We just got into it. I won't say scratch the surface. A little more than scratch the surface. Maybe dent. But there's a lot more to cover. We had that conversation with her the other day, Ramya and I. And you can find Leanne Barda on the third Monday of the month right here on Kelly and Ramya. Up next... On Know Your Rights today, Danielle McLaughlin is going to discuss a class action lawsuit that has been filed in the Ontario Court of Justice against the Attorney General of Canada. We get into that conversation, Grant and I, with her in two minutes. It's fun,
0: insightful and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute.
1: So many different ways to take the show in, and we appreciate whatever you do out there, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, but we want to hear from you too sometimes. Feel free to visit us out on Twitter at Kelly and KellyNRumya. Always wonderful to, to chat it up and know what's going on and what you think. Well, okay, maybe sometimes it's not so great to know what you think, you know, especially when we're falling down on the job. Never happens. <laughs> Grant Hardy joining me out in Vancouver. Kelly McDonald here today. And uh, never, Grant, never. It never never happens. We never fall down. We never do.
3: Absolutely. Like Weebles wobbles. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) We do get to do a lot of thinking on the show. Speaking of that, though, and this is one segment that really gets me thinking all the time. It's time now for Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin.
11: Did you know that everyone has rights? No matter who we are, we all qualify. But what happens when freedoms collide? The answers are rarely simple, but always interesting. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, to talk about civil liberties and human rights on Know Your Rights. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the program. Hello, Grant. Nice to see you. How are you?
3: We are doing pretty good here for a Monday. And we've got something kind of intense to talk about here today. Uh, about a class action lawsuit that has been filed in the Ontario Court of Justice against the Attorney General of Canada. Do you do you want to introduce this a little bit?
11: Absolutely. And uh, I, I will comment that uh, today being Martin Luther King Day in the United States, we're also talking about uh, rights and uh, right to equality is, mm-hmm. is one of the prime <laughs> ones. So this story actually began in the 1960s. This is a very old tale, but the there are two people who have decided that they will take this issue to the courts to try to uh, get classified as a class action lawsuit. That hasn't happened yet because there is a class of people who are affected. And here's what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada needs... Uh, agricultural workers. Many people who are citizens of this country don't want to take these jobs, and because mm-hmm. they're seasonal jobs, they are also uh, somewhat less attractive to people who are looking for full-time work. So what happens is the uh, farmers and the uh, the corporate the corporations that run farms seek foreign workers from. Uh, Mainly the global South and they bring them to Canada to work in on a temporary basis so they're called temporary foreign agricultural workers now like everybody else who works in Canada they are required to pay in to the employment insurance plan now or if you're employed you will know that the government takes uh, a certain percentage of your salary to put into the employment insurance plan, and your employer will also be paying into that. The thought is, or the the plan is, that if for some reason you are no longer employed in that circumstance, and it's not because you quit, because that doesn't make you eligible, but let's say there's a shortage of work or for various reasons um, you know, the workplace closes down, you would then, in general terms, become eligible to be paid um, out of this unemployment insurance or employment insurance plan that you have been uh, putting money into on a weekly basis.
1: Okay, so so Danielle, with that being said, been putting money into it on a weekly basis, in general, who's eligible for that employment insurance?
11: Excellent question. And in general, anybody who is employed, who has lost work, on not because they've quit, but on the basis of... Uh, There being a work shortage, as an example, Um, anybody who's paid in gets to collect uh, under those particular circumstances, except, except for temporary foreign agriculture workers. They are excluded. They are required to pay into this, but they are generally excluded from ever collecting. And it's a very interesting kind of catch-22 that these people have been living under for a really extended period of time. I mean, we're talking about 50 years or yeah. more. And I'll try to explain how this has worked. Um, you and I take a job. Um, the business goes bankrupt or there's a shortage of work. The weather is terrible. We can't do, do the work. We apply after a certain number of weeks. Uh, we become eligible, depending upon the kind of employment. Um, we apply and then we wait two weeks and we begin to collect insurance. These folks, the seasonal agricultural workers, have what is called tied employment. Have you ever heard that expression?
3: I don't think before today.
11: Yeah, tied employment, very interesting. Here's what interesting happens.
3: name that's for sure,
1: isn't it? Name. Yes,
11: um, some people have uh, said this is this looks an awful lot like indentured servitude, right? So yeah. the farm yeah. the, the farmers bring them in. They are hired for a period of time, and then when the season is over, they're no longer employed. Now, if they had been working for the, the same number of hours at, in a different industry, and they hadn't been foreign workers. They would be eligible to collect on the employment insurance they have been paying into. These folks, as soon as they are no longer able to work for the employer who's originally hired them, they get sent back to their countries of origin. They are not allowed to stay in Canada. Their employment is tied to that employer. So as soon as there is no more employment for them, they don't say, Oh, I think I'll look for another job the way the rest of us would. Um, Or let's see if there's another industry that's hiring. Sorry, they don't get to do this. They are exempt from that, which means that as soon as they leave, they can't collect employment insurance because you can only collect if you are in Canada and willing and able to work. Well, they can't stay in Canada because they've been let go. So you see the catch-22 here.
3: It's pretty fascinating. If you if you are an an animal rights advocate, you can obviously point to the huge animal exploitation to create our food. But people don't often talk about the massive human exploitation to uh, no to, to carry out our farming. I'm very curious. How, how would like, how would someone justify this? Like you can never claim employment insurance, but you still have to pay into it. Like, how would you sort of justify that in like a Law 101 class?
11: Good question, Grant. And I think that's exactly the question that these seasonal agricultural workers are asking the courts to determine. One of the things that uh has been fairly clearly uh, recognized that this that this system was set up in the 1960s. There's been virtually no change to it. Um, back then, it was okay to discriminate against people based on their race or on their country of origin. So what Canada said back in the, as a, you know, the bad old days was, okay, you guys can come in, you can do this really heavy and intense work where you are exposed to all kinds of hazards, um, but we don't want you to stay because you know, you're know you not like us.
1: Especially so, now that we've helped shorten your life. We don't want to pay for anything right? else later.
3: Yeah, really.
11: Exactly. We wouldn't want you're, to do that.
3: We want you and, to and help us get... That, yes. Sorry. Well,
11: employers really don't have a lot of reason to make their workers' lives easier or better or safer because they know that, as soon as somebody complains, they're out of here, right? Yep. There's, you know, yep. there's, no, there's nothing that they can do about it. So mm. some people have said, and they've said it for many years, stop this system, make it an open, um, uh, a, a visa kind of situation, or or, or a an, an open permit, so that if mm. somebody comes and they they want to work in this industry, wonderful, we really want them. But if something happens where, for example, they're treated really unfairly, and they want to look for a job in the same industry, but with another employer, they would be free to do that. Here, they're not. Their employment, their their right to employment is tied to this one employer. So... You know, they say that their rights have been infringed. And as you said, Grant, you know, we're looking at animal rights. What about human beings' rights? Yeah. They're saying equality rights and the right to security of the person. Their safety is in jeopardy because they cannot um, make a complaint and have it followed up without a very real risk of losing their jobs. And so, you know, if you're given a choice of no income, um, you know, or you know, dangerous work, many people opt for the dangerous work because they're sending, many of them, they're sending money back home to feed their families in their countries of origin. And they've had to put up with really, in in some cases, some terrible treatment over, you know, many generations in some cases um, yeah. because this system has set them up for it
1: you know it's amazing because we fall into canada being the nice country the canada of the good and we skate by when we're doing so many of these little things that are dirty not beyond dirty they're filthy and um, we allow because we look the other way we allow things to stay in a perpetual circle of abuse yeah. mistrust yeah, we will tell our people, well, yeah, but we want to make sure advantages are for Canadians that are here when Canadians don't want these jobs anyway. So you're giving people hazardous jobs, thankless jobs, and then on further, you're insulting them because back in the day, which a day that we allegedly have left behind, we could we could judge them based on their skin color, based on where they came from and where they were born, well, Danielle. That, I think I've got this summed up right.
11: Well, I think, I, I think that it, it certainly is. It looks a lot like that, and it has for, for quite a long time. And if you think about the whole issue of equality, if a, a Canadian citizen took this exact same work, they wouldn't be subject to this plan. No, they would be no, able no. to change employers easily. Well, the employers are often the people who provide housing, and frequently it's substandard housing, but there's nowhere else to go. So people and we learned about a lot in... of that
1: during the pandemic when people Absolutely. could not they had to sleep in places with 15 or 20 other people.
11: That's right. and yeah, and it's... and as we know, many of them became seriously ill because mm. because of that.' Um, they're, you know they're working under dangerous conditions. they're working with uh, chemicals. Some of them are in situations where they are not even given uh, safety equipment. They're not given respirators to, to, uh, you know, to deal with some, some of the sprays that, that they have to use. And they've really been in a situation where they can't do much about it without losing their status in Canada. And once you leave okay. the country, it's real hard to make a complaint, right? Yeah. So yeah. who's going to almost... listen to somebody from, say, uh, um, Jamaica, who wants to complain about their employment in Canada when they aren't even in Canada. Well, you know, that was then, this is now, that kind of situation. And how
1: dare they, when we opened the door for them to come here, tobacco pick or whatever it used to be in the old days, I remember as as Mm -hmm. a kid, that's what people tried to do for the summer. And they'd tell me just how rough the conditions were just for them going out to do it, let alone people that came from other countries and had to stay.
11: Well, that's right. And so one of the claimants... Has been working on a marijuana uh, kind of plantation, um, mm-hmm. a- and the another one is another kind of agricultural worker. Um, we know that there are certain centers in Ontario where there, and also in BC, uh, where there are you know large numbers of agricultural workers who are brought in uh, fr- from other countries and have not had an opportunity. Not just to to address this this unfair situation, but even to complain about it. So these rather courageous uh, people have found a law firm that agrees that they are being treated unfairly, and they are seeking to f- uh, file as a class of of people treated unfairly. So that hasn't been yet certified by this court. Um, the the hope is that the Ontario Court of Justice will. Take a look at the issue and say, yes, there is there's a class of people to whom this applies. And, uh, yep, about time you take the attorney general of Canada, the court, sue him and see if we can get the unfair treatment uh, turned around. And yeah. I personally am very hopeful that this that this will happen. But, you know, the thing about litigation is it does not way. happen overnight. No, it doesn't.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating how you know we've seen for example what happens when healthcare is tied in with employment. I can't imagine just having my liberty and home and country tied up with my employment. In terms of laws, rights, do do you want to quickly summarize like what are we asking the government to do exactly?
11: Well, I think that we're asking the government to strike down the plan that currently is in place that that Got creates us. this tied employment situation. We're asking them to look at the equality rights and the right to be you know, to safety, to security of the person of the people it, who are currently here as seasonal agricultural workers, and. Um, you know, revisit this legislation and, you know, come up with something better? You know, do, do we need to uh, just give people open permits and say, you know, you are welcome to work here in this industry. Um, this, uh, you know, this farmer has hired you. He's paid for you to come here. Um, and, uh, you know, you have a job. If you don't like the job, you are free to look for another similar job. That is something that people have suggested might be a way of ensuring that people are protected. Um, You know, should they be eligible to collect employment insurance once there is no more employment? Well, if they have to leave the country, that's sort of the, the it turns on this. Right. If they have to leave the country they won't be allowed to collect the employment insurance. So should we be collecting EI from these people from if we're them? not going to let them collect employment insurance? Or should we say, no, they get to stay on and collect what they've paid for? We'll see where that yeah. goes, yeah. if at all.
1: How long do you think this will take, Danielle, this litigation?
11: Well, I'm not, I'm not a betting person. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Firstly, we have to see whether, in fact, the the government will acknowledge that there is a class of people to whom this applies. And then, you know, if it takes less than two years, uh, you'll, you'll have to resuscitate me. Um, but uh, you know, it I expect it it will take a long time. My hope so- is that it will stay in the media enough that people will start, um, you know, pushing the government and saying. This has been unfair for so long, and it is based on such a racist premise. It's time you did something very very soon.
3: Absolutely. And we know with courts, it's never going to be instant, but hopefully shorter rather than longer, maybe. Danielle, we got to run, but thank you so much for chatting with us about this.
11: Thank you for giving us an opportunity to talk about this important issue. Join
3: us for Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin every Monday.
1: She's back with us tomorrow on our Voices segment, folks. We will introduce some of you who may be newer to the program to some of the things that Danielle's all about, so do join us. Up next, however, we still have a little bit more of the program when we check on what's coming up now at Dave Brown in the morning. Grant has that for us. Uh, Also, I have a closing moment talking a little bit about fish and kind of, well, want to talk about environments, fish and their communities, their neighborhoods, their worlds and countries, if you want to call it that. We'll do that in a moment.
0: We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break.
1: Well, we're wrapping things up, ladies and gentlemen, reminding you to check out the podcast, subscribe using your favourite podcast platform, If you don't mind, give us a rating and review while you're in there. Check out also the Audio Vanity Card. We put that on the end of the full show podcast today. Our director, Irene, uh, has some really interesting words and some sharing with us, and I love it. Since we've been altering a bit of what we do when it comes to the audio vanity cards and so many members of the team have been able to jump in and you get to hear their voices, get to hear some of the things on their minds or the things they could share. Uh, It's been really wonderful and and very enlightening uh, on, I think, the rest of the team's part as well. So check it out. You can also listen to the show in segment form if you wish as well or catch one of the repeats. Grant Hardy will tell us now what's coming up tomorrow on the Now with Dave Brown program, 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv.
3: Well, Kelly, self-diagnosing a disability is something that seems like a simple process, but Rebecca Dingwell explores this topic and has written an article about this in the context of the autism community. Disability consultant Rabia Kedar will discuss trends she sees for people with disabilities in 2024, and we'll have our weekly news quiz with Brock Richardson as one of the contestants where it is said, things are about to get interesting.
4: Mm,
1: sounds messy (laughs) like sports i'm sorry Mm. i'm throwing that back to brock right like you know that's 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 like being sacked at the line of scrimmage that that's what Okay, we're not even making any relevant <laughs> sense out of that. We're just we making it interesting on our part. It's interesting uh, already. Folks, it's living up to Oh, for sure. We're hyping it up that way, folks. <laughs> Check them out 9 a.m. in the morning. You can also subscribe to the Now with Dave Brown podcast as well. Our closing moment today, folks, scientists re- reveal secret world of fish countries that divide the state of Arkansas. This is an article you can actually go and find out. I'll give you a little bit here. Just as our ancestors were more likely to have close relatives nearby, so also have fish. Thus creating regionally distinct genetic countries shaped by unique environments. Zach Sinton... A postdoctoral uh, research associate who carried out the research as part of his doctoral dissertation, dissertation said in a statement The White River originates in northwest Arkansas and the Boston Mountains and eventually uh, links up with the uh, Mississippi River. The river basin can be separated into several sub basins, and that, of course, makes subregions. To analyze these fish countries, as they're calling it, uh, and the assessment of several of those fish species allowed them to a team the work on it to concern that this genetic differentiation was consistent among different species in different locations, demonstrating the existence of these invisible borders and subpopulations among the river ecosystem kind of like us. So the team, of course, Grant hopes that shedding this kind of light informs future conservationists how we might be able to proceed when it comes to conserving and taking care of life and doing the right things for these fish communities. Really oh, interesting stuff there. Wow. I'll and say. again, some of us will say, oh, of course, but, you know, when you think about it and you think about the relativity or staying in your neighborhood, country, whatever you want to look at it, um, It's a, it's kind of a no-brainer, but fascinating, especially for them doing this research. Thanks a lot, Grant, for being with us today, man. It's been wonderful having you fill in.
3: Oh, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure being here to contribute or co-host with you.
1: Folks, tomorrow on the program, when we begin at 2 p.m. Eastern time, during our nutrition conversation with Julia Caranches, we chat healthy habits to keep your immune system strong this winter.
3: Plus, the Alberta government is boosting income support and senior benefit payments. Uh, This year, community reporter Tony Raymark tells us uh, more details. We
1: settle back in at 2 p.m. Eastern
3: on AMI-audio
1: at 4 p.m. Eastern. Check us out, folks. We're waving at you. Have a great night.
10: Hi, it's Irene, the director of Kelly and Ramya. I have a question, where do all the movies go once they end their theatrical run? I love movies, but I have missed seeing countless award-winning films because I can never get to the theatre to see them. Most of the time, it's my fault. I have every intention of going out to view a film, but then I decide to stay in and not bother, especially in the winter. Back in the day, and yes, I am showing my age, you would go to Blockbuster. And rent whatever movies you wanted. Friday nights, snacking on popcorn, perusing the flicks on offer. So what do you do nowadays? Pay for several streaming services so that you can view all the best movies and series? I refuse. I subscribe to one, Netflix, and it gives you a lot of choice but certainly doesn't cover everything. We already pay a lot for cable, internet and cell phone service. I say, bring back Blockbuster. Of course, instead of renting a DVD, you can rent a streaming link or something like that. What do you think? Am I onto something?
1: Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look
7: at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.